It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Episode 3 of the Roker Report. I'm Damien, your host. I'm joined today again by Gav and Tom from Cross the Pond. Tom is, not Gav. Uh, we're also joined by Jim and Callum this time, so we're trying to really pack out the chat room. I'm getting a bit bored of saying it like this and starting the episode this way, but how's everyone feeling? <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> um, there is um, no real answer to that question. Well, I'm, I'm about 100 foot from the beach. And yeah, just drive. Just, yeah just I might, I might, I might literally drive straight in the sea. It's, it's getting worse. Last week was a tree. This week's the sea. Yeah, so. just straight off the pier. <laughs> no one will blame you. It'd be an epic way to go as well. To be fair, on the podcast, some, uh, give us uh, some just, national just, coverage. Well, Sunderland fan tops himself on podcast. <laughs> yeah, we might get some good views though. Yeah, I know. Any publicity is good publicity, right? <laughs> <laughs> just a, so, just, yeah, a, Gav, just as a start, start point. Us. Sorry, mate. Just a, just a start point. Really, um, obviously, yesterday the game was was horrific, wasn't it? But having dwelled on it for a day, um, it actually feels worse. Oh. I couldn't believe that. I thought yeah. I thought I might be a bit. I might feel a bit better about it today, but I mean, the more I've thought about it today, the more I've just hated the idea of how bad we were yesterday. It was it was such a. It was such a typical performance. I was, I was, I could see it coming. I mean, I was talking to the lads in the, in the Rotor Report chat on WhatsApp, and I said we will find a way to knock this up, and we did. Mm. It was, and it was, and it was, it was almost as though, um, we gave Palace the win. It, they, they didn't, they didn't play particularly well. Um, they didn't, they didn't do anything for me, to, you know, say yeah, fair enough, we're beaten by the better team. I mean, that last goal, for instance, I don't know if anybody. Sp- seen what uh, Christian Benteke said about it but he yeah. said he was actually surprised that uh, Sunderland switched to a zonal marking system and you, oh, you, when you see it back he just he literally he jogs about five yards to get on the end of it and that's the last, pretty much the last chance of the game and you just you know it makes us wonder what the hell are we doing on the training right. pitch Moyes came out though and he said he said that um, he didn't know what they were doing like he wasn't sure what, what they'd done why they'd started marking that way but if you see them, they're all lined up along the six-yard box. Yeah. And you think, well, if they're not, if, if, if that's just the way they're, if, if six men have decided they're just going to plant themselves in a perfect line on the six-yard box and not mark man-to-man when they're meant to be marking man-to-man, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. So you've got to wonder what they've been told, whether they who's telling to, the truth. They it's, just need to take the initiative in situations like that. I mean, Mark Benteke, it's not hard. Kershaw needs to move, what, four or five yards or at least block the run. And then we at least get a point out of it. It's just no yeah, initiative there's, there's, at all. There's quite a lot of men four or five yards away from from each of their from each of their men. So you think, well, if they're meant to be marking man to man, if they're meant to be tight, how how have they all lined themselves up in a perfect row? It's it, I mean, it looks like zonal marking to everyone else. Rude Hullet on match of the day said the same thing. It's nice. um, you know, it's one of those things where you just wonder. Um, Who's telling the truth? Is 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 more? He's just hanging them out to dry, or is 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 uh, are the players just not getting it? It's you know either way, it's worrying. That's, that's the last sure, three but. games. I, I I'll be honest. I'm not entirely sure that they know what zonal marking is. To any yeah, of us, I, 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 I don't think, know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what defender is. Explain it. That would be great. I think like but, yeah. with zonal marking is basically you have an area in the box that is your area to defend, or I guess to attack yeah. an offensive ball, basically. 
But oh, we know what it is, but they I, don't I'm, know what it but is. I mean, that's the trouble. <laughs> and I know, but the the thing that's irritating is why would you do that against someone like Ben Teke? Had Corny's life the whole game, and it's the last couple of minutes you're desperately trying to hang on to a point. Why wouldn't you just put two blokes on the most dangerous aerial threat in the pitch? It's most that with Ben Teke. Like, Every time a ball came anywhere near his head, it was like it had magnets in it. Yeah, yeah we've we'd been warned, hadn't we? He was trouncing Kone the entire we knew, match. We knew this was going to happen. And Gav spot on with what he said. I honestly think you've got to ask some serious questions. What are we doing on the training pitch? To not be able to defend a ball in the 90th minute when you know there's a man in that box who is prolific in the air. What What is the preparation that gets you to that point? That's it's basic, they're not, they're basic. They're not practising set pieces, are they? Because... It's, it's basic every, mistakes, every single thing, defending is, or attacking, uh, it's like they haven't got a clue what a set piece is. It is. So I, I agree with you, Tom. I don't know what they're doing on the pitch. Jimmy, you're spot on, mate. It is basic mistakes. It's not as if we're like playing ourselves into danger at all. We we look like we don't have a clue the other end of the pitch. Nah. Takes Joel Ledley to swing in the perfect through ball for Defoe to get the first. The other, the rest of the game, you know, we like fed on scraps and you bang on. It's basic errors. And I think that's... Stop the cross, stop the cross, uh, close down your man, work for your teammates. And also, don't give away silly fouls. I mean, the free kick was questionable for their third leg, but don't why give, give the ref the decision to make? It's just, it's it's bad game management again, and it just shows a lack of nous from our players. They're just, they're not keen enough. It's, it's the same basic errors game after game. And as soon as they got that one back, what, 20 seconds after we scored... I said to the people I was watching the match with, I said, we'll get beat 3-2 here. Right. He just, it had it written, Sunderland written all over it. It's just <laughs> yeah, classic yeah. Sunderland. It's shocking. Like, Gav, you always have, like, quality opinions on this. What do you make of what Moyes is saying, like, in, in the press? How, how do you view... If you were a player, how would you view that? Well, the way, the way he came out and effectively put, pinned all the blame on the players was, was baffling to me because... Um, it was, it wasn't just decisions made by the players, which which cost us the game. You could you could you could point to the fact that we didn't make substitutions quick enough. You could point to the fact that the wrong substitutions were made. Um, you could look at things even even further back and think, what does it tell the players when there was a player midweek scored two goals? I know he's not a fan favourite, but if if the players are being given opportunities to win a place in the team, and at the first port of call. They dropped in favour of the likes of Yanazai, who's never turned up all season. Let's be honest. Mm. And then, uh, for me, I think when you're making big decisions on players and they're the wrong ones, it just tells the players that well, there's a, there's a massive split. Really, the players aren't, aren't going to show faith in a manager who don't, doesn't show faith in them. And really, I thought, although yes, the, the players were largely to blame for the way the game ended, the, especially the mark and at the end. I mean. That's pretty basic. Any leader on the pitch should be telling them, you know, who to pick up and things and so on. But even even still, Lee Catamore being taken off ahead of Kirchhoff, who who was yeah. very poor yet again. And then there's 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 Moyes coming out at the end, pinning all the blame on the players. Well, sorry, but if Lee Catamore had been on the pitch, I'm 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 pretty sure he would have had somebody marking up on right. Benteke. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's things like that. Yeah. Things like that baffle me. I don't know. Right. I don't know if it's just me, but when I listen to the manager talk. Um, I admire his honesty on occasions, but coming out when you've lost a game like that and mm-hmm. not taking any of the pressure off the players, what's that, what good's that going to do really going down the line? They're, they're babies mm-hmm. at the end of the day. They're, they're overgrown babies. They need an arm <laughs> around them. They need to be told they're brilliant. And we saw at the end of last season that when Sam Allardyce did that, this group of players achieved results. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that's the way to go forward long term. But clearly, we need to start winning games. And the only way for me that's going to happen is if the man just starts being a bit more positive. He can't come out after the QPR game like he did and go, oh, that was great, that blah, blah, blah. We're going, to, we're going into Saturday much more positive. And then we're back to square one because he's picked the same team. For me, mm-hmm. it sends a total wrong message to everybody, including the players. And the comments after the game don't surprise us because we've seen it on three, four occasions already this season because we've lost too many games. And at the end of the day... Yes, he picks the team. The players have to do the job when they're out there. But if he's my manager, I don't want to play for him. Sorry, like, but, that's, but that, and that's what I'm saying on the pitch. I don't, I don't see any of those on the pitch. It started um, all, from any of those first, players. It started sorry. from his first couple of press conferences, though, didn't he? He 
he didn't really set off in the in the most positive fashion. We were all ex- we had a, such a phenomenal end of the season under Sam. We were absolutely buzzing, and he came in and you just hope right take that positivity forward. And for the likes of someone like Kasri, if you use him as an example, used to play. He was smile on his face the entire time last season, wasn't he? He used to take people on. He was confident. He was trying things. I mean, he looks like a shadow of a man sat on the bench. I mean, he yeah. was thinking, what does he have to do to get on the pitch when you've got someone like Yanazai, who Gav mentioned, who, for me, is is almost an empty shirt. I mean, he, he has undoubted talent at times. But, I mean, is he the man you want if you're in a relegation battle? I mean, Moyes is the one who said, we're going to be in a relegation battle. Then why do you sign a player who, you know, is very little end product and he's not going to battle for you? It's- I certainly wouldn't start him. No, he's an impact. He's definitely an impact, Sam. Yeah. But you see, in his, in his first press conference, I think uh, as soon as he was announced manager, they asked him, you know, because I think Ellis Short had said he was his, his prime candidate for the last sort of five vacancies. Mm. And uh, and he said, well, you know, I was off the job last season, but uh, to be honest, I thought they were already down. And you're like, that was October. That was October. I mean, you see people coming in in March and saying, no talk of relegation. Mm. You know, we're, we're going to think positive. We're going to do our best. He, come, he says he didn't take the job in October because he thought we were already down. Now, mm. uh, from, from the start, that was me going, well, hang on. Is this the guy you want in a relegation battle? I mean, I know he did it with Everton about, what, 12, 13 years ago. But the mm. Premier League's a different league now than it was then. And he's a different guy. You know, he, he'll have had experiences. He's not immune to self-doubt. He's not immune to changing through his experiences. Three years ago, he was a success at Fergie at Old Trafford. Now he's with perennial strugglers trying to stave off relegation. He's- well, on that note, we did uh, we put some feelers out on Twitter um, before the podcast to see if anyone had any decent questions to send through to us. And one of those is from Lee Charters. And he says, is David Moyes damaged goods? What do you think about that? I think there's a fine line between realism and negativity. And mm. David Moyes isn't treading that line well at all at the minute. I think the beginning of the season, we were all a little bit like, oh, that's okay, That uh, he's already come out and said that there's no expectations. We can kind of understand that. But to continue every week to be so dour and just despondent and negative about everything, it's like, how are Dave? Like, give give us Cheer a break. Up. Give us, <laughs> us who needs the break. Give us we're, we're already queuing up on the way you bridge, lad, are we? <laughs> give us something to shout about, you know what I mean? But on the other, if you play devil's advocate, like, I mean... To, to fans calling for his head. I mean, I know it's very vast mi- minority, like, but after six games, is it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, he's had an abysmal sh- abysmal start. He's not been the most positive. But, I mean, he, you got to remember, Fergie recommended him for the United job. I'm pretty sure Big Sam recommended him for this job. I mean, Ellis Sorts wanted him a long time. Do we just, I guess you got to suck it up and we've got to stick with a manager at some point. Where's I mean, what, do, what Where's does Ellis Short do if he sacks him? I mean, who else is out there? You're right. Yeah. It's, should oh, should we even be talking about that right now? But well, that's a when thing. You, when you consider yeah. how how little time he's had. I don't think we need to be saying like calling for his head, but you do need to ask serious questions at this point. We, you can have like a a cultured debate and be negative about somebody. We can say like David Moyes mm. isn't doing a good enough job. That's not mm. trying to put pressure on him. That's us using <laughs> no, his, his own there listening and being realistic. And like weeping into his, <laughs> <laughs> David Moyes will be listening to this on Monday. <laughs> oh, they don't love us all. <laughs> no, but let's... Let, can I, I'll just add in there. Like, obviously, mm. we knew what we were getting from David Moyes because um, <clears throat> he's managed at the top level a long time. We knew uh, his teams don't play fancy football. Um, we knew that... He would get a team very organised, or so we thought. And we mm. also thought that, in terms of recruitment, he would bring in a, a good core of players who he feels would carry us forward. He even said that himself. He said that um, the players I'm signing are, are, are long-term uh, additions. You know what I mean? So players like McNair and so on, he was thinking of those for the long term, not necessarily now. But the problem, really, is that I feel... On so many levels, we got player recruitment badly wrong, and it, it was it was really evident uh, at the weekend because if you when we when we needed an outlet, we, we brought on Victor and Ichibi. Now that's our plan four. B to default. Yeah, that's no. our plan B to default. We don't have another option. And, and I mean, we're, we're what four sorry, times and all. Like, no crown, man. Uh, I was just going to say, like the 
the problem is we're nearly in October now, and we, and we don't know what system we're going to play. We don't know what players are going to play. We brought on McNair on the left wing yesterday. If you don't know what system you want to play, it's very difficult to get the recruitment right because you're not going out and saying, right, that's the guy I want for this position. You're going out and just going, right, who's, who's a decent player who might improve the squad, which is where McNair comes in. We don't know where he plays. We haven't seen where he really plays. Moyes says he could be a number 10 now. So you think, right, well, where's this guy's position? Um, and when we don't have a plan, when we don't have a formation, it's you know it, it's it's very difficult to get things like that right. But it's um, yeah, I mean I can't I, I just can't see it, it it going well at all. I think he is personally. I think he is damaged goods. I think is I think he's uh, he's he's insulating himself from this fight backfiring on him. And he's you know he's trying to blame everyone else. He's constantly hitting the buzzwords of long term project. Mm. You know, this Everton. is this is a this is all about youth Everton. You know, big task, big job, and all that sort of stuff. He's, he's certainly tried to ease the pressure off himself. Yeah, like with regards to his his recent past, his managerial history, it, it's definitely it seems like it's stuck in his head that everybody's looking at him and judging him for Man U, yeah. judging him for associate dad. So yeah, all right. So we could agree that potentially he is very dirty goods. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think do you think is is the negativity he started with? Do you think that impacted attracting players mm-hmm. in the window? Because, I mean, if you're a, a player and you're sitting on the fence about whether to join Sunderland mm-hmm. or not, if you're going to be playing for a manager who's instantly saying, we're going to be fighting relegation, is that going to be... That's going to play a part. I mean, it certainly would for me. You'd be thinking, well... Doubt. And that, 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 that's, that's had a huge impact. Like, you needed well, to, you needed to, to start with, on a more positive footing. The way Sam did, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, he... Yeah. The, the end of last season, Patrick Van Arnold jumped into Sam's arms after beating Everton. I mean, you can't imagine any of them jumping into David Bloody Moise's arms at the moment, can you? No. <laughs> Pienaar and Renny Tribune, maybe, because he's <laughs> given him a job. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe Pienaar. Tony Hibbert's queuing up now. It's going to say Leon That was a bit of a blow as well, wasn't it? He forced into a substitution very early on in yeah. the game when Pienaar came off injured. Yeah, I mean, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't excuse the way we played. Like, I mean, because oh, I, I, he did yeah. bring that up, um, I think maybe in his email. One of the one of the points he brought up is that Stephen. <laughs> I do so love receiving uh, those emails. By the way, does anyone else? <laughs> well, I have to. David I have Moore to analyse them. We we must do better. Yeah, no shit. Man. I have to analyse them in quick, in quick kicks every week. You know what I mean? So I have to I have to see through his his comments and try and work out what he's trying to say. But I mean, he, he did he did one of the points he brought up was that Pete was suffered an early injury and it didn't help matters. But I mean, we had the game won. It, we were two 0 up against a team who, for me, couldn't keep the ball. They weren't attacking us very well. And then you go you go two 0 up and within within a minute concede a goal, and that to be honest that that goal should have been the warning, yeah, that we yeah. should have heeded and we Agreed. didn't. The two the two the two things that really should have had alarm bells ringing. One, we need to make changes while we're ahead, and two, um, let's start picking people up when those crosses are going into the box, which obviously we conceded game the equaliser again. Basic yeah, game yeah. management, and you look what look at Southampton today. I mean they went two 0 up at West Ham. And what did they do? They saw the game out, they managed the game, they changed their approach. What did we do? We went 2-0 up and we dropped as deep as you possibly can get. And you yeah. think, then just again, I, I said it before, you just they need a bit more nous. And it just it, we've had this so many seasons, and it it can't just be Moise's fault, let's be honest, because we've had it time and time and again. Yeah. It's it's <clears throat> basic errors. I think one one big issue with this idea of it can't just be Moise's fault is both David Moyes and Martin Bain came in and decided to just restructure everything to how they thought would benefit them. So, like, Moyes came in and he kind of, I wouldn't say dismantled, but he definitely didn't utilise the system that got us playing relatively well at the end of the year last season and actually kept us up. And then Martin Bain comes in and rearranges a lot of the backroom staff. And as far as we can tell, it's, it's him who's in charge of the, the deals now. So it's like a really odd situation where there's a lot of change all of a sudden and it just hasn't benefited us whatsoever. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I make the comparison between like Ranieri when he came into Leicester and, and Leicester had just stayed up and he came in, the first thing he said was, there's not a lot wrong here. We just need to add little bits and pieces. We, you know, the way I like the way they played at the end of last season. They did a great job. Let's just add a few things. Let's not go crazy. But Moyes has yeah. come in and gone, well, no, let's go for mostly British. Let's get lots of youth in. You know, yeah. he, he's, he's clearly abandoned the 4-3-3 system. Um, he doesn't fancy 
playing Kazri. Um, you know, he didn't want to bring in Yedlin. He failed to bring in Mvila. And you're thinking these are all things. If you if you had watched the last from January to May of last season, and you saw not just the results but the performances that the players were putting in, not all the time, but a lot of the time, you would go right. Well, if we haven't got a lot of time and we haven't got a lot of money, let's just keep this squad together yeah. and let's add little bits and pieces. But instead, he's come in. He's 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 torn it up, and now he's saying, "Well, I didn't have a lot to work with." And you think, well, no, if you're talking about responsibility, if you're talking about responsibility, Dave, then you need to take some responsibility for the for the approach that you've decided to put in place for this season. That that to Mm. me seems clear as day. But he's running Uh this campaign that he's been left this barren wasteland with which to work with. And you're thinking, no, mate, I was there at the end of last season. I saw what you were left. And all it takes is for you to go out and sign Yedlin, go out and sign Mbila. I mean, we don't know what happened with. Yeah, we don't know what happened with Kapul. Exactly, but you know it's it's I'll just you, really you, you, you look. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> cut you off there, mate. I didn't mean to. But um, <laughs> no, no, sorry. Yeah. With with Kabul, is is it becoming increasingly as evident to everyone else as it is to me that Kabul was the reason that our defence was so solid? Yes. Uh, especially towards the end of last season, because <clears throat> there's obviously we've got Team Kone, and everyone was like really panicking about him going to Everton and things like that. And it's like oh, if we lose him, we're knackered. And then you've got this aging captain obviously as they tend to be but he, he he got slated at Spurs before we bought him everyone was like really chuffed at Spurs that Daniel Levy managed to get four million out of us for him um, and he got slated everywhere and then he just he proved every single critic wrong and it, it shows now in the times when he's absent not not just the skill set the variance in skill set or ability between him and Gilabodji his replacement but certainly holding that back line, holding them together. Kabul was obviously the organiser. I mean, he was obviously very vocal. I think he was a very popular man in the dressing room as well, by all accounts. And if we've spent, was it four million on him? And you've let him go for three and a half million. That's got to be the worst beast business I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, in the current Mm. market, that's absolutely dire. It really is. Well, this is it. From all accounts, he forced through the move. Yeah, but we're in the position. It brings us back to what we were saying about David We should be able to say to him, no. Just see, stay until January or just yeah. wait until we've got a an apt re- replacement in. I mean, Dilabodji for me, I mean, at times he, he makes like Matthew Kilgallen look a good player. I mean, he, he's all over the place at times. <laughs> mm. oh, yeah, it's, this is something that concerns me, actually. We're talking about going up against West Ham, obviously, in a few weeks. Um, and the pro- watching them today as well, the, the problems they're suffering at the back... I mean, that's a real, for me, at first, that's a really uh, hopeful thing. I'm looking at it and thinking, oh, we could actually get three points from that game because that's what we've come to now, isn't it? Looking at it, it's almost like when Allardyce came in and he he broke it up, didn't he, into like periods of four or five games and we had a certain points tally to get from those games and that's what we've had to start doing now as fans. We ourselves are looking at the fixtures and going, well, which of these is actually winnable for us now? Yeah. Crystal Palace was a winnable game. Southampton was a winnable game. But our defence just torn apart. And that's, that's probably, I mean, that, that defence that started yesterday is probably the strongest mm. defence that we can put out. You would have thought so yeah. in terms of, uh, of, of the reputation of the players. And, and now they're talking about, you know, if you're talking about bringing O'Shea into that defence, you're thinking, right, well, how many times have we tried to move away from relying on John O'Shea and Wes Brown in the last five years? And now we're talking about him possibly having to come back in and solidify that defence again when we've just spent eight million pounds on a new centre back and given the other one a ninety thousand pound a week contract. You know, it's well. This is it. One of right. one of the questions we were sent earlier. Uh, one of the tweets we were sent was from SAFC Dolphins, and they were asking, should we not play three five two using PVA Mankio as wing backs and bringing O'Shea to steady the ship? I don't think it makes a difference what formation we get set to. If we can't do mm. basic things right and we can't communicate with each other, it, it, we could have Messi up front and still have that defence. And as long as we're not communicating with each other, it makes no difference to the game. I think you're totally mm. right about Kabul. I think maybe we all underestimated the influence he had maybe in the dressing room or at least on the pitch. He must have been a real sort of guiding figure to some of the squad because we... Well, there's missed a reason him so the captain, much. Though, yeah, you know I mean? we've missed him so much, and maybe John O'Shea is a quick fix, and it's just a matter of time before Jillabodji comes good. And- First time I've ever heard anyone say anything like quick <laughs> with regards to John O'Shea. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, but I mean, if you look at last year, Kabul was awful the first couple of months of the season, and it took him a while mm. to bed down. I guess 
maybe it's naive of us and David Moyes to think Jillabudgie was going to be a quality player from the off. In all honesty, maybe he's, he's twenty. Is, is he twenty-seven, twenty-eight? I mean, yeah, he's, you don't. He's, he's not young. He, he, yeah. he should be. You know, he should be able to come in and slot into that defence. That's so what I'm saying. Eight million. Right? Kabul couldn't do it last year, though. Like we brought Kabul in, and it took him a while to look good with Kone at the back. Yeah, and but you would, well, you would say that. I mean, Kabul obviously had he had a lot of experience in the Premier League, where Jilabodji, I mean, has has next to none. Um, I mean, he, he, if you try to be a bit more positive, I, I guess he, he sometimes he shows a decent range of passing. You know, at, at times he does play some nice balls out of defence. Mm-hmm. He actually made a few decent tackles. I think he just needs someone alongside him to coach him through it. And you, Kone's yeah. not that man at the moment, who was equally as poor, if we're honest, lads. I mean, he, he, he didn't cover himself in glory yesterday either. Yeah, well, well, I actually thought, and I said it in the player ratings, that Kone was the worst of the two. I thought Jilabodji did a lot of covering for him. Didn't play particularly well, regardless. But um, of the two, he was probably the better, which says a lot about how bad we were at the back. And for me, um, the fact Coney is isn't standing out in games anymore says a lot about who was partnering him last right. season. Right. It was like we've already alluded with with Kabul. Um, although he wasn't great for the first part of the season, in the second part, he was a big part of why we stayed up. And on top of that, he was a big part of why Coney was such a success because obviously having that, that French-speaking, experienced Premier League centre-half playing alongside him has made a huge difference to how he settled in here. Mm, and obviously now, massive. yeah, well, the onus is now on him to be the experienced Premier League uh, leader with with Jilabodji alongside him, right? as well, no less. And then well, you've got... there's a lot of ex- there's a lot of expectation mm. there, isn't there now? Because he's on a ninety grand a week contract, mm. and and we know that Everton were prepared to pay twenty five thirty million for him. So there's a lot of expectation for him to to be a success. But I'm not seeing the same passion, um, confidence, I guess, from from Coney, which I guess is indicative of the whole team, because. Pretty much all of them are playing like that at the minute, so it's really down for me. Like I've already said it earlier in the conversation, the babies and they need to be told how brilliant they are, and, and that, that, Va- that's what I'm seeing at the minute. I think we've got, it, we've got to probably do that now. I mean, Van Arnold looked. He, uh, we finally thought we cracked him at the end of last season. He, he started to look like a like a, a genuine top Premier League left back, and then this season, he's, maybe it's the the fact that Kabul's off. And he's got no one telling him where he needs to be. But, I mean, he's not jumped for the third. I mean, the first the first goal, I mean, he's got to try and at least challenge for that a bit harder. The second one, he's got to tuck in more. I mean, you've got to win that header. You just think he looks a shadow of the player he was last season. Um, mm. and He looks more like the player we got at first, doesn't he? He does. Mm. That's, that's it. Bang on. He, look, he looks yeah. just a liability at the back, but solid going forward. I mean, I'm about I'm about to do something that I would never usually do, and 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 kind of agree with David Moyes in in the um, you know the players do have to take some responsibility in the sense that with the with the 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 first goal when they launch it upfield and it drops to Ledley, Van Arnholt turns his back on the ball and just dangles a leg out, and. And it, it seems like he's constantly afraid to be hit by the ball, doesn't want to get close, you know, doesn't want to block shots. Definitely. You know, you, in that in that respect, there's not a lot David Moyes can do about that other than take him to one side and say, look, you're a defender, you've got to get in the way, you've got to stand up to the ball. And if you dangle your leg out, you're just asking for trouble. You're asking for a deflection. Like with, that Kirch, with the Kirchhoff goal against Spurs, when he just, you know, turned his back, dangled his leg, and it loops into the goal. If you If you face that, Head on, chances are it just hits straight off you. Yeah, take you one. know then, yeah, just take one for the team. But you know, Van Arnold is prone to that, not closing down crosses, not getting tight with man, even though he's got the pace to get tight. And you know, he, he's he is prone to that. Mm-hmm. And like you said, last season it looked like Allardyce had had reached him and 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 turned him into a better defender. But it seems like he needs that constant arm round his shoulder. You well, know that that manager who he really did- trusts and. And if he loses that, then he just goes back to square one. Do you re- do you remember what Sam Allardyce actually said about Van Aanholt when he wasn't playing very well? There was a, there was a, there was a little spell, I think it was around November December time where he where he dropped him from the team. He made him play a couple of under twenty ones games, and he said um, it was something along the lines of, um, if Patrick wants to improve, he has to start listening to what I'm telling him. 
it was something along those lines. It was kind of he was kind of saying basically he does what he wants. He doesn't listen to any mm. of the advice I'm giving him, and um, it feels as though that's kind of what we're saying now. He's, he's he, he he did improve massively last season. For me, he was our most improved player. Um, and then obviously we, like I've already alluded, to, we're seeing the the Patrick Van Aanholt which we got when we first signed him from Chelsea, and he and he he seemed to just wander and and not really put himself fully into defending, which is primarily his job. You like to see him get forward, and he's an asset going forward. He he contributes a lot really when you consider what four or five goals last season and a couple of assists. That's a lot really for a fullback, but I it's mean, not his primary also- job. You've got to say, like, he's actually probably our second most dangerous player. Yeah. You're looking at your fullback as actually someone who might get you a goal. I mean, if you're looking at, if you're moving on to, to to going forward, I mean, if Jermaine Defoe doesn't score, we don't score goals. No. I mean, yeah. he, the first goal is put on a plate, but he still he still has a lot to do. <clears throat> Jermaine, yeah. he, he shrugs off the defender. It's a cracking finish. The second goal, some people could say he, he is a bit offside, I think, for the initial shot, but he's just a predator. On the to to look on a positive side, Jermaine Defoe's just class. He's but, class. Uh, to, well, <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. Worry, to be We've got the phone. It's fine. Just <laughs> couldn't agree more. Crap. He is class. <laughs> couldn't agree more. He is class. But um, yesterday he scored twice and we didn't win. Yeah. That's very worrying. Yeah. But you the know thing what I mean? is as well, we scored twice, but we didn't. It was it was bizarre. Someone mentioned earlier on. I was talking to. They said, "I'm in a way, they're kind of glad we didn't win." Because there's a lot of cracks that that would have just papered mm. over. We didn't create the first goal. There was a fair bit of good fortune about the second. We're lucky that we have someone as predatorial as Jermaine Defoe in the opposition penalty area. But in all honesty, a lot of the time we don't look like we're going to create a goal from it. Comes no, there's from no pattern, is there? Nah, there's, there's nothing no pattern there. going forward. And you think nah. last season it all came through Kershaw. I'm his biggest fan. I think he's one of the best players I've ever seen playing a Sunderland shirt last year. I mean, he was last year he looked top class. But this year, I mean, yes, he's he's missed the start of the season due to lack of fitness, but he's not set the world alight and we need him to come to the forefront, especially if he wants a new contract. We've actually got I mean he's he's not we've got from Twitter. Sorry mate. It's um Kieran Woods who's asking, is Kirchy as good as we thought? So I think we're alluding to that. I think, here, aren't we? he, he, I think we've got to give him a bit of time to get yeah. fit again. But yeah. I mean, he uh, at times last season he he just ran matches and we, it, we played at his pace. And this year, whether it's because we don't have him Villa alongside him, it he just looks like he's a, a half a yard off the pace and he's not got as much time on the ball. Mm. Yeah, strolled uh, around anybody, a lot yesterday. Yeah. Did anybody else think, though, last season he wasn't necessarily a defensive midfielder? He just sat in the middle and, like you said, he dictated mm. the tempo. I feel like him and him and Dong have almost switched roles this yeah. year and they expect Dong to play higher up the pitch and Kirchhoff to be the more defensive and element. Dong was, and, he, he was an engine, to be fair to him. Oh, every, every, yes, I could see him trying to G up. DeFord scored two goals and then Dong is still trying to <laughs> G him up, saying, how well, like, you You've got to you've got to close down, you know. He's like, I would the like to hear and Dong say how are. That, that would be kind. How are? Yeah, we've got on that but, note as well. A similar one. Another question we've got. I'll give you the last question we've got on this note is about our midfield. So, what are our thoughts on playing three defensive-minded central midfielders? Because the link from midfield to the five is non-existent. Would a more attacking mid link the two? Well, yeah, but we've said that. How long have yeah. we been saying that for? Who've we I got? think even last season when we were doing all right. Well, I thought even last season when we were doing well under Allardyce, people wanted Kazri to go into the mm. number ten role and maybe play a different system. But we've we've been crying out for a number ten yeah. for a long time, and no manager that seems to be given the poison chalice uh, seems to want to put anybody in a number ten role. I nah. don't know what it is. I think the only time I've seen us do it in recent years was when Jackarini played there behind Wickham, and we got a bit of joy from it. But yeah. since then, we've we've kind of played number tens out wide. I think. Although this season, to be fair, there have been a couple of times under Moyes where he's he's had what more more central, and he had Barini before he got injured a bit more central, but it's not a traditional number ten. I really want to see somebody who can put dangerous balls into dangerous areas, because you've got a striker like Jermaine Defoe who hangs off the last man. Naturally, you would put your best passer in behind him just yeah. to try and feed him. Do you know what I mean? Because he's shown over a long period of time that he is capable of scoring goals. When fed in from behind, 
So yeah, he needs, what he needs we do surviving. is hoof it forward. Well, what we do is hoof it forward rather than do that. It makes no sense to me. I don't know whether it's because the scared that we're, we're, we're being too top-heavy and the, in turn would affect our defending. But let's be honest, our defending's that bad. We need to try something different. And that mm-hmm. goes from back to front. I think you're right. And I, if you're looking at that player who could play, at, say, at the, the front of a midfield three... To be honest, the only man we've got, I think, is Stephen Pienaar, who could probably play there. I mean, he, I actually was very surprised at how decent he is. I, I start the season, I thought that's a that's a waste of wages, if I'm completely honest. But he looks a he looks a very accomplished footballer. He looks calm on the ball, and to play him out wide when he doesn't really have any legs, that to me begs belief. Yeah. But you I see, think- to me, the, the the answer to our number ten problem is out on loan in Turkey. I mean, for me, I know Lenz isn't isn't yeah. uh, isn't the best, you know, is, isn't the most popular player. He doesn't he doesn't have that kind of enthusiasm. He looks like he sulks a lot. But in the games where he played central attacking midfield last season, Arsenal away in the cup, and he and he played Swansea away there in the mm, league as well. Yeah. I thought I West thought he ran the game. And this season, he started as one of our best players. He came on. Yeah. He changed games. The Borough <clears> game. He set up Van Arnholt's goal with holding the ball up and a lovely little pass inside. To Watmore, and, and you think, why is he out on loan um, when mad, when we're we're crying out for a player like that? I mean, like I said, I know I know he's not that blood and thunder player that that, that fans like, but in terms of quality, mm-hmm. I I I don't see I don't see why we keep you know Gav mentioned Jacarini as well. We keep letting these players go because yeah. we, we don't teams... we don't want to find a formation for them. But you know, I think I, you're I, right I don't about the formation, Callum. I don't think. It's, I think Moyes and the backroom staff have thought that, oh, well, we're going to play with some width this year. And if we play Adnan on one wing and maybe Barini on the other, they can cut inside and we can create chances that way. It just hasn't worked. Like Using wide players has not worked. Duncan Watmore's not a wide player. We continue to insist on playing him as a winger. If anything, we need to kind of take a step back and think, OK, the width's not working. We're not getting enough quality delivery at Jermaine Defoe. How else can we do that? And like Gav just said, if you've got somebody who's so fantastic at playing on the shoulder, why not play somebody in behind them? We mentioned about the three defensive midfielders from the question on Twitter. Why not? Play three central midfielders to try and hold the middle and then play somebody just in front of them and let him and Defoe try and dictate the game. If, or, you if can play the, yeah. Yeah, or you can play the three defensive midfielders and you can push the full-backs up to get your wit. And then yeah. you've got the wide players of Yanezai or, or Kazri or... You know, Barini, who can tuck in and 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 give Defoe that support when the ball is going up to him, because the ball, you know, he tries his best to hold the ball up, but you know, with the best will in the world, he's not the biggest guy. And against centre backs like Delaney, you know, he's he's just not going to be able to hold hold the ball up for long. So if you can get bodies around him, then you're going to make life a lot easier for yourself. So those three yeah. defensive midfielders would give the fullbacks that license to push up and be the width, and the wider players can tuck in and support Defoe. But, you know, I, I think David Moyes doesn't know his best formation and, and he's struggling to find it. And uh, and and he's, he better find it quick. You know? I, I'd agree. I mean, on the lens point, just very quickly, Gavin, a lot of teams seem to, you know, they buy small and then sell big. And we seem to sign these players, like your jacker and your lenses, for 10 million quid plus or whatever. And we've let him go for free on a loan. And you think... That's another another example of, of the poor business that we've done this summer. They've let a player go when we knew we were already light in those positions. And you look at the bench and you think, other than other than Anichibi and Kazri, who he obviously doesn't fancy, there's not one player there who can change a game. Mm. None. None at all. And, and Well, on Paddy Manet can come on the score a Do you know what it is, though, when we're talking, we're talking about creative options and... and and what he has available, um, he's often went into the likes of Watmore, Gooch, young players who don't have that pedigree. You'd sooner give them the time of day and give them the, the chance to play ahead of a Kazri who, to be honest, when he's come on this year and he played against Shrewsbury and he was awful, but last year when we saw him playing with confidence, he effectively kept us up in a way much like the likes of Kone did, Kabul did, because that goal against Chelsea changed everything. You know what I mean? Mm. And and thing, things like that, small moments, um, I feel as though Moyes has no respect for what they did last year. I don't know if it's just yeah, me, yeah. but when I see no, when I see, um, when I I see see players like Kazri being cast aside 
Um, it makes me kind of wonder whether he has put any thought into what was done last year and whether... It's like he didn't um, watch yeah. last year, Gavin. It's like he literally just walked in and thought, ah, this, this is the team that survived by the skin of the teeth. We'll get rid of it and we'll start again. It's as if he, he did no research coming into the job and thought, hey, you know what? Sam Allardyce had that Sunderland squad playing with a little bit of verve, a little bit of reality, and they, they managed to get good wins when they needed to. It's, it's as if he just he had no intention of using what we had, and he just thought, okay, I'm going to do this my way or the highway. And well, another see, thing we just, that we Kasri, Sorry, sorry there we go. Another thing that, um, on the Casley point, I mean, how bad have our set pieces been this year? I mean, oh, we started we started with Yanazai, who couldn't beat the first man, and now Patrick Van Arnold seems to have come in. I mean, we had Lyndon Gooch floating them in. You could keep us just plucking them out the air. Sorry, I mean, there, but I completely agree with you on the set pieces, and particularly with the delivery to try and get it above the first defender. Because it is only it's yeah. only Lyndon Gooch so far that I've seen who can actually get the ball above six feet. Because the rest of them are just firing it straight into his it, chest. And what was Kazri doing? Kaz Kazri's just he's whipping them in. I mean he was I mean he almost scored from a couple of them. I mean I know he still he had his moments where, you know, they were a bit shocking, but at least you know, you're talking at least fifty, sixty percent of them were they were mm. on the button. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at our team and you, you, I, we we haven't mentioned I mean Seb Larson's obviously out injured as well. God, crying out I mean, he'd Seb actually Larson. even even Seb Larson would add something in terms of at least a bit of battle and passion. With Cavery, with 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 we we are complaining about him not wanting to track back. You know, maybe his work ethic isn't great. Maybe you know he doesn't run games the entire time and he doesn't control them. Well, would effectively Yanuzai is one of the players keeping him out of the team at the moment. And yet we describe Yanuzai as, as mercurial, as, as you know, the, one of these players who will do nothing for it for you know, most of the game, but he'll come up with something special. I, I wonder why we're so willing to give Yanuzai that, that, that permission. But then with Kazri, yeah. someone who, like Gav said, has done so much to keep us up and who's earned it. And I've seen him leave the pitch with nothing left to give after games last season, you know, working uh, incredibly hard. And yet we're not willing to be patient with him we're more willing to be patient with Yanazai, a player who's not even ours, you know. Yeah, and I, no. for me, for me, that frustrates me because I, with Yanazai, there's a lot of talent there. There's, it's doubtless a lot of talent, but you know, th- he went on loan to Dortmund last season, and they sent him yeah. back early and said he ain't got the drive. And this, Tuchel D- Dortmund, was not a fan. I, Tuchel was not. Dortmund, a fan at all, Dortmund is a team that has brought through so many young players. They know how to do it. They know how to make these young players very good players. And they said, and they sent Yanazai back, and they were like, he hasn't got the drive. Now, yeah. that, would, think, that worries me. That worries I mean, me. David Moyes, I mean, Moyes seems to almost dine out on the fact that he got Yanazai playing at United. Was he that good at United? Against us, I mean, I, I remember a couple yeah. of games. <laughs> Against us, but that's not hard. Exactly. I mean, a couple of games, <laughs> you, you noticed him. But for me, he just. For a relegation battle, you almost want a bloody John Walters or someone ahead mm. of him. You know, you want someone who's going to go get stuck in and actually. Fight for the ball. I mean, yeah. I just can't see Adnan Yanazai playing in a relegation battle. Did anybody notice how good Jason Punchin was at times yesterday? He was like everywhere on the pitch. Delivery mm. was quality, and he's like, I'm not saying we need somebody like that, but he is almost a Yanazai type player. You know, he's supposed to just have that wonderful left foot. He's supposed to cut in and do magic, but he was everywhere yesterday. You could see he was like playing for the badge. I seriously question Yanazai's commitment. I don't he think he cares. He have to, we brought him he? in on, yeah, on loan. He thinks he's exactly. Better than we us. brought him in on loan. He, exactly, and he thinks, yeah, I work with David Moyes. Maybe if it's good, Jose will have his back next year, and I'll be playing. To him, it's nothing. Mm. And I mean, to us, the fans, that's everything. If if you can give us even your best, even if we had a lad who had no football and skill and was running around and throwing the effort in, I think we'd give him as as many plaudits as we've given Yanazai mm. this season because. Quite rightly, like Jim or Callum said, he is undoubtedly a fantastic player. But unfortunately, it's do we have a system and the luxury of time right now to try and afford a player like that in our team? Luxury is yeah. the perfect yeah, I mean, we, word for yeah. it. Look, he's a, he's, he's know, a luxury player. Is, yeah. Right. Well, on that note, yeah. <laughs> well, we know we know Kasri. We know Kasri's. Um, we know he's done it. He did it in five. You know, for five months last season, he was. He, he kept us up out of a relegation battle, and you know, I, I, for me, I just question why Yanuzai gets gets the patience, gets the time, is allowed to 
to not have that defensive mindset and to go missing in games. And yet with Kazri, apparently he's, he's he needs to work harder. He needs to do more. You know, I I think it's a bit. I, I think like like you said before, it seems like Moyes has no respect for for what the team did last season. Well, it's, moving you know, forward, I don't think anyone can really disagree with you there, mate. Um, moving forward, obviously there aren't many positives to take from that match, but we've got West Brom coming up on the first. How are we going to deal with this? West Brom have evolved under Pulis this season, mm. I feel. Even yesterday, battling back and getting that last-minute goal. I know it was against Stoke, and Stoke haven't really showed up so far this season. But for him to go out and sign players like Nasser Chadley, I think that's kind of a statement of intent from Pulis, saying, yeah. I've had my detractors in the past, and I'm still going to have an extremely well-drilled mm. team. But maybe this is the year that he's kicking on a bit, and Rondon's look good. They've had two wins. I think they've had two draws as well, and maybe two losses. That's like mid-table mm. format. And going into the game, it's awful to say, and people can feel free to slate us, but I've never felt so pessimistic going into a game against somebody no, like I West agree. Brom. That's exactly I can't say us Kind of, they are pretty much the worst team we could mm. play right now because we saw last year when they turned about the stadium and just sat behind the ball and frustrated us because they knew we had very little to offer. They're going to isolate Jermaine Defoe and they're going to take the chances when they come. And to be honest, I was quite optimistic looking ahead, um, but I was only optimistic about this fixture if we beat Palace because I thought it would give us some confidence going mm-hmm. into a much tougher game because of the two sides, West Brom are probably the tougher to play at, at yeah. Stadium of Light. And really yesterday, Palace beat us, didn't play well. And on top of that, they were wide open for the majority of the mm. game. We're creating very West Brom I mean, aren't going to be yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're if you're um, if you're Tony Pulis and you're looking at that game, I mean, for the first half, Palace, you know, they tried to get it to players like Punch and they tried to play it through us. You know, they tried to get Townsend on the ball, it didn't work. You know, two set pieces and you know a long ball, or, t- or sorry, across a set piece and a long ball, and they've got three goals. If you've got Rondon up front, you're Tony Pulis. You would be testing oh. Gillibodji and Kone with high balls all day long, because. You know that that was our undoing yesterday. It was you know the, the crosses into the box, the the high balls, the set pieces. You know, it, if you're if you're Tony Pulis, you're rubbing your hands together looking mm. at that. You know, yeah, pretty much. That's it, isn't no, it? I'm, I'm with, <laughs> I'm with, I'm with yeah. down now. <laughs> I just have that image of Tony Pulis cackling on the on camera from last show. All I can think of. Oh yeah. Let's let's be let's be honest, lads. We're we're, we're pretty much. We've been the most. It's probably the most negative podcast yeah. ever created. This, but nothing. Be, we, do you know what it is? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing we've said today um, mm-hmm. is going to shock anybody because everybody's mm-hmm. feeling this way, and especially going into the game next week. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what David Moyes has got to say because, although he was a bit more positive because we beat QR, generally speaking, whenever we've lost, he's he's really been quite harsh yeah. in front of the media, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling. He's going to be pretty much the same this week, um, and and he's going to be he's going to be looking at a team like West. If you're the manager of Sunderland and you've not won a game all season, and the players aren't really playing for you, and you can't seem to get into any sort of flow, especially at home, um, you're going to really fear play against West Brom. And they're going to come here. They're going to set up to defend first and foremost. They have a striker who can score goals. They've got a created midfielder in in Chadley who is proven at this level as a top player for me. I thought he was brilliant at Spurs. Even though he was in and out the side, he was always he, he always came up with something. And they're going to be confident, as with their fans. And it's like I said, I think I said it on, last week on the podcast, to be honest, I think I said the exact same thing. Any team coming to Sunderland or playing Sunderland is going to fancy three points. That's just the way it is. From promoted teams to the top teams, we are a fixture on, on, their, on their list. Where it's just got smiley points. faces on the calendar, so, isn't it? It's circled in red marker with smiley faces and a little cake oh, and some wine. Especially, well, especially watching that, it's like it's like we said before. How many of those goals scored yesterday would you have expected from a Bueller side? Really, they're they're like long balls, crosses going in, set pieces. They're going to hit us like mm. mad for those, and and really, it's going to take it's going to take a big shock to the system for our players um, to even turn up and get a win because. From what we saw yesterday, they've got no fight. They haven't got any bottle on set pieces. They don't. They don't seem to be particularly bothered that we're losing games. Although people tell, they'll tell you, they'll tell you that they do. But at the end of the day, we're not seeing it on mm. the pitch. And um, and next week, next week we have to see a miracle. 
really, in my eyes. And I can't believe I'm talking about a West Brom home game. <laughs> we need a miracle um, like to that. beat West Brom. <laughs> the Titans of West Brom are champions. We do. <laughs> but yeah, pretty, pretty simple. They're not that good, but they're, they're, they're pretty much the worst team we can play. And I'm absolutely gutted. That's our next game. I'd, I'd much sooner be playing a Man U or a Chelsea than Yeah, than just West enjoy Brom. the day sort of thing. That'd be nicer, wouldn't it? Instead of sitting there with your head in your hand. <laughs> right, well, on that note, around us mm. off then. Um, quick predictions. I know no one's feeling it, but got to do it. What do you think? Yeah, 3-0 Sunderland and they should be happy. <laughs> I think we'll beat them. I, 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 I'm going to stick my neck out. I think as long as they work on the basics during the week, you know, if they get the basics right, you know, let's. I'm going to go one nil, one yeah, one nil, bouncing off Kone's <laughs> ass in the 94th minute or something. Where's <laughs> Danny Graham when you need him? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, sorry, you know, lads. Two nil. Really not feeling it. Like. Oh, what about you, Callum? Yeah, I think. I think. Uh, Probably a probably a scrappy one nil West West uh, Brom win. I, I I just can't see us scoring enough, scoring against their defence, and I can't see them yeah. the not fact? scoring against. So yeah, no. well let's all hope that Tom's got <laughs> right and we'll get a victory in each of the hat trick. But even if we do, we'll manage oh, to lose four three. Can you so it doesn't really make a difference. So all right, all right. Thanks for being on the show, lads. Thanks for that. Another good night. Another round up of fantastic Sunderland news. Uh, thanks for joining us on episode 3 we will join you again next week same time look out for us on iTunes this week we'll be getting up and running the next couple of days uh, so yeah subscribe always good to know that you've got this to look forward to on a Monday morning isn't it hopefully next week we'll have something better to bring you but um, until then take care from the Roker Report bye bye Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.